Paso a Paso Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Paso Paso Podcast. My name is Miles. In this episode, we'll continue to document the two-day conference in Albuquerque that occurred recently as hosted by the New Mexico Early Childhood and Care Department. I was happy to be present, ran around with my recorder, and got as much on tape as possible. This presentation today is by Dr. Tiffany Wynn, who's a staff member of that Early Childhood and Care Department in the state of New Mexico at the state level. It may be a new conversation, one you don't hear on the radio or maybe one you don't have with your friends. But it's very important. If you're passionate about a certain topic and you and your friends want to discuss that topic and change it for the community, it's important to also have an understanding and accept who is not at the table to have that conversation with you. This is also very important when you're looking at those who work for the state of New Mexico. To what degree should they tell Taos what to do? And even within Taos, groups like Paso Paso, who get together and discuss the experiences of families and children and those who care for them, who's not at the table as a part of that discussion? This is a very important topic and one that I hope you will enjoy. As I do with most of my interviews, I let her introduce herself. However, I had to run after her, and she was so gracious enough to introduce herself and let us share this with you. Have you share your name so I can add at the beginning? Uh, yeah, uh, Dr. Tiffany Wynn. Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm running, running, running to the front. Enjoy. Every single day, ask the people in my office, what do I bring up? Where are women not getting this, that, or the other? Where are we marginalizing sex and gender minorities? Where are we marginalizing people of color? And how the heck did we get that into law and think it was okay? How did we wipe out all the ways of knowing, learning, and being this way? And how did we think what we were doing was better? So part of what we're gonna ask you to do is to look at your communities and ask these hard questions. When I make a decision to do X, Y, or Z, who isn't at the table? And what am I doing wrong? or not well enough to create a space for those people to come in and tell me the truth? And can I shut my mouth and hear and listen, honor, hold up space, and change what I think needs to happen to really respond to the people who need us to show up the most? Okay? So we're going to ask, I heard yesterday, we start the work with ourselves. And I can't tell if anybody in this room is hearing that message for the first time. I'm going to guess no, based on the work you do and who you are. It's not the first time you've heard, do your own work. But as coalitions, individual coalitions, and then as the large coalitions, we have to look here first, and then concentric circles. I talk to the secretary all the time about nested bowls. I love the idea of nested bowls in the kitchen. If you're a baker, you know what I'm talking about. So you have a child, then you have the nuclear family, then you have a program, then you have systems that support the program, and then you have the state agency. And they're all nested, and they all have to align towards well-being and honoring authentic experiences that the big bowl, those big state systems, may not be able to see or understand. And so how do we look at these five categories 
to know what the problems are. If I'm sitting in Santa Fe, fancy office with nice carpet and a nice table, I have no idea what needs to happen in your town. And I certainly should not be the arbiter of what goes on. And I heard that this morning too. We have to have the grounding and the amendments to the soil that are correct for where the yucca is growing. Okay? So raise your hand if you've done gap analyses before. Okay, it's a, it's a fair few. So here's the simplified version of a gap analysis. Point A is where you are right now and what you have, what your resources are, who's at the table, what's going on. Point B is your, this is the perfect scenario. You get everything on your wish list, it's over here. The gap analysis is this middle place between A and B. And how are you going to bridge that gap? And so we wanna talk about backgrounds, um, looking at what is strength in your community. How do you define resiliency? Who is that? What is that? Who has a resource that you need for these coalitions to work really well that isn't at the table yet? And ask yourself, how come? What do I do? How do I invite? How do I create the safe space? I actually don't believe in safe space. I believe in brave and courageous space. There are a lot of people who are never safe in their bodies. We know that to be true. My background is also in behavioral health. I've been a therapist for 20 years. <laughs> um, what does it mean to meaningfully engage? Like me standing up here, that's nice. There are some of you that are like, ah, oh, talking head. I get it. <laughs> I've been at those tables going, please stop talking at me. It doesn't matter. What do you say? It doesn't matter because it's not in me. Cool. Now ask yourself what your communities need to not have that feeling. Okay? Whatever we think a normative perspective is. So I'm just going to talk about my family of origin for a second. I come from a fairly cisgender, white, patrio, hetero, normative community. Raise your hand if something in there didn't make sense. Okay. Yeah? Well, which part? I'm not even sure the normative part. Okay. Okay. So when I turn on the television, I see white people. Normative. When I go um, out places, I see men and women together in couples. That's heteronormativity. Our entire system is built on these false social constructs that diminish and demoralize other identities. Robert. My quick and easy way to understand normative is what people say you should be. That's yeah. So yeah. See why it's called. So there's, this is where I have to be careful not to take you down an intersectional lecture, although Kimberly Crenshaw would be happy if I did. So think about you for a second. Think about your gender, your sexual identity, uh, color, educational privilege. Did you grow up with two parents in the home? Whatever is like the standard culturally is normative. And if you're somebody like me, you might live a life outside of that normativity. You might not actually fit into all those boxes that society says we're supposed to fit in to. And guess what? Most of our communities don't either. 
And so when we do research, when we do evaluation, when we do assessment, we should be looking for the folks who don't fit in to the simple standard categories or expectations. Those people are going to give you really good information on what you need to fix. All right, and I'm going to try and finish by just diving into root cause analysis for a second. A car crash happens. Do we ask why it happened? What do we look for if a car crash happens? Okay, safety. Somebody ran a red light. Is that all we need to know? People aren't paying attention. What else do we need to know? How fast were they going? Okay, how fast were they going when they ran through the intersection? What else do we need to know? Were they drinking? They're okay. First, are they okay? Were they drinking? How about single mom on the phone with the school because she had a neurodivergent child who could not make it through the day? The mom was rushing to the school so the kid could get out. Root cause analysis goes, okay, we know the facts, now how come? What's the reality? I like to think that most people don't listen to me, they're more worried about whether or not there's milk in the fridge. And it happens in driving too. <laughs> and it happens in research that is powerful. Your findings in your coalition will drive your outcomes and where you're trying to get. So this is the time to slow down and then slow down again. And really think long and hard and ask a lot of questions that are about equity. And I know you've heard a lot about equity. I know you know equity inside and out. Look deeper and then look deeper again. And ask yourself, who can show me something I can't see? At work, I talk all the time. And I see 20% of what ECECD does. If I don't talk to everybody else in the department, I don't know what's going on, even if I think I do. And the minute I think I do, I've gotten myself in trouble. And I do that with research too. If I think I know what's happening, I've missed the whole point. Okay? So Robert just and Maya asked me to give a little, here we are, and so here we are. This is your work. This is the big part of the work. Maida or Robert or Jen, do you want to add anything? Can I say one thing about number five? Yes. I, I think that understanding the root cause of issues is huge. Um, but I also think that we need to be very cautious to understand that root cause can be historical trauma. And that historical trauma, it, it's not easy to understand. And it will require a lot more than just understanding. And it might, it might take a long time and a lot of work on many sides. I agree. And, and I came back up because trauma has been my area of practice for 20 years. And looking at historical, ecological, intergenerational trauma in New Mexico, so again, white lady from New England, not my story to tell. However, moving to New Mexico, specifically Santa Fe, what I see repeatedly as an observer is certain stories get told and other stories get pushed out. And certain stories are elevated and celebrated and get money and other stories don't. And so when we're talking about historical oppression and privilege and violence, this is a space that has been colonized three times or more, 
and there are a number of people who cannot ever speak out loud publicly about where they come from and where their people come from. Secondarily to all of this, I want to honor the ecological trauma. When violence happens on a people's land, it happens to them. And that does not go away ever. And we cannot pretend like it does not directly impact our right now. Our water holds the trauma. The wildlife and the fauna and flora hold the trauma. Thereby, the people in that space also hold the trauma. And when we ask people questions about how to do better, they may find us laughable unless we honor the complexity with which a human being sits in front of us. And so, Anna Marie, I'm so thankful you brought that up. And if anybody wants to dive into trauma and complex trauma and how to do research around that, I'm your girl. <laughs> Paso, paso, come this. Paso, paso. <laughs> Podcast. <laughs>